the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. the show this is episode 226 of the boys of tech new zealand's longest running tech podcast yes folks we are live once again from the southern cross bar here in wellington uh and i must say it is a pleasant experience every time i'm joined here by brett king welcome to the show (laughs) he's taking a sip from his beer it's a bad time to, int- to introduce you, is it? Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, welcome to the show, Brett. Uh, we're going to go through uh, some of the stuff that's happened this week. But, you know, before we get into the stories, the biggest thing, the biggest news, I suppose, Wellington-wise, would have been an event that happened about half past two on Friday afternoon. And it was a big one. It was indeed a big one. And then there was another one. And then there was another one. And then there was another one. And, well... Just keep on coming. For about an hour and a half, the ground was barely still. Yes, that's right. We're referring to the big, uh, the earthquakes. I should Not just say, talking about an hour and a half. I'm talking the last three days. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, yeah, but anyway, the the big earthquake, uh, 6.6, I think it was. Yeah, 6.6 on the Richter scale. And in fact, I, I was I was listening to some of the um, the uh, commentary from the experts on this because the last big one we had, and we talked about this in fact on the show. Uh, when that happened about a month ago, it was a 6.5. A 6.6, roughly the same magnitude. Yeah. The seismologists call that a doublet. And a mm. doublet is not beyond the realms of possibility, but certainly is not very common. Yeah. It's Super not, rare. Mm. And that one was a real shake. I'll tell you what. You know, it was the, a real shaker because it was real shallow. Yeah. Eight kilometers. That, eight kilometers deep on land. Yeah. I felt it shaking. I thought, do I get under or don't I? And suddenly we got thrust. It felt like about a metre forward in one direction. <laughs> I don't know if it was that much, but it certainly felt like it. Mm. And that's when we all, we were, we, we all went under. <laughs> yeah. Were you at the office as well? Yeah, yeah. I had just got back from lunch, just walked into the office reception and chatting to the people at reception and boom, everybody went under doorways. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was pretty horrible, wasn't it? It was indeed. Anyway, aside from the uh, earthquakes, I thought I'd kick off with our first story. This is actually a suggestion from one of our listeners. And uh, look, I must say it's got me hooked. Unix slash Linux war games. So what this is, is I I don't even know who's behind this, to be honest, because I spent most all my time uh, playing it, playing it rather than researching (laughs) the actual story and what's behind it. But what it is, is it's a series of challenges uh, that are designed to upskill yourself, if you like, with Unix or Linux commands, because to solve each challenge, you need to use, you know, Linux tools, command line tools, that kind of thing, maybe a few shell scripts or something like that. And so you go through the various levels. You know, I think the first one's pretty easy. You you learn grep or something like that, you know, and and you find (laughs) something in a file. But it works its way up. Now, I spent... uh, I can't remember how long, maybe, I don't know, an hour or so. I got up to level 10. There are 15 levels or chapters, as they're called, yep. so far. Also, you've got five to go. I've got five to go. I haven't gone back to it because I got busy with... Uh, five to go and you can be a, what, a Unix Linux sysadmin? 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know who's behind this, as I say. <laughs> it's addictive. But you've got to sign yourself up to this and give it a go. It is uh, it is fantastic. And I must say, thank you very much to the to the listener who, who sent that in. Um, yeah, we'll, sounds fun. We'll put the URL to that on our show notes. And uh, if you want to have a go, you can sign up there. Anyway, really good, really addictive. I love it. Now, Brett, what about this story? And I think it's a New Jersey? Yes, indeed. New Jersey. A guy by the name of Gary Boychak didn't want his employer to track him using the GPS units that they've got installed in, in the company vehicles. Indeed, they're all low-jacked in America. Yeah, so anyway, what did he do? He purchased himself one of these cheap GPS jammers that you can buy. Uh, you've probably seen them bred on DX.com and other sites. Indeed, indeed. And in most countries, they're quite illegal. They are exactly, the US included. But that's what he was using. Now, you might think, oh, well, you know, fine. You know, no, If no one catches him, what's the big deal? Problem was, he was interfering with Newark Airport. Oh, yeah. Odd how people think that... <laughs> Things that they get to um, plug in are just going to affect them locally. I know, I know. You've got to be really careful. If you're going to do something, look. If you're going to do anything that interferes with oh. um, your radio frequencies, GB, all that sort of stuff, you've got to make sure that you uh, have got it at a power level that is only affecting you and not randomly broadcasting on emergency frequencies or, in this case, overwriting the GPS signals for a... Um, New, what is it? Landing control system? Yeah, they were test. That's right. They were testing a new, uh, a new system, a new technology at the airport. So, fortunately, it was only in, in test. But yeah, indeed, uh, uh, you know, even so, I mean, so what? Ha- you're probably wondering what happened to the guy. Did he go to jail? Well, no, but he got a thirty-two thousand dollar fine and fired. And exactly, he was fired <laughs> as well. But was it? His employer said, "Well, no more. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're out." Indeed. There's the door. Yeah. Wow. It's a it's an interesting story because on the one side, there's that who wants to be tracked, honestly? Who wants, who wants your boss to know that you've, you've pulled over to grab a McDonald's and have a slash <laughs> and maybe you sat down to eat your McDonald's while you were there and took half an hour when you should have only had a five-minute break? Because, well, you can guarantee that their bosses also wouldn't want the employees to know that they had actually not done a meeting in town. They had instead gone to a soccer match for their kids. Exactly, or um, played around a golf. So you can see the rationale for why you would want to go, well, I, I, I don't see the point. It's uh, why should they be doing this and, and doing that jamming? But then you've got the counterpart of so many things rely on radio frequency and, and wireless. What frequency does GPS go on? Look, I, I looked it up once <laughs> some, some months ago, and I, I I've, I've forgotten. I couldn't even... I could pull a number out of, out of my head right now, but it'd be wrong. Yeah, well, I, whatever. I, whatever you know, yeah, signal it is. Yeah, so many things that run and are crucial to infrastructure and crucial to emergency health and safety stuff run on these different things so purchasing a jammer to jam your signal in your own area is 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 fine ish but the reason these things are illegal is the fact that they're all unmonitored and unregulated and you're jamming possibly things which are incredibly important to emergency services that's that's exactly um and other such stuff as you know radio frequencies are heavily uh regulated that's because each uh frequency is engineered 
for the origin of transmission uh, and for the, the power levels and everything. Now, with, with these cheap things that you get uh, you know, off, off the net... Oh, they just splurge, they, don't they? They do, they splurge all over. And also, worse still, if you're going to go mobile with it, you're running rampant across the country with, you know, splattering all over the RS spectrum. This is exactly why, Brett, as you say, as you, as you said before, that's why they're illegal. Yeah. Well, so, one of the reasons. Well, one of the reasons, yeah, certainly. So, uh, Other ones are uh, they're brilliant tools for robberies. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Illicit, illicit, material, illicit activities. Great jamming GPS and cell phone signals. Absolutely. That's and another reason they're illegal. Now, these are not too different either, by the way, from the cell phone jammers that you can get as well, and you can get wireless jammers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 802.11 signal jammers. You can get all sorts of jammers. But, Indeed. Um, they're illegal you can even get instructions to quite easily make your own Wi-Fi jammers. Really? Yeah. Wow. That'd be a fairly complex project, though, I'd imagine, wouldn't it? I don't... I wouldn't say that too simple. I recall it being too complex. Oh, okay. Have you built one? No. But you were looking? No, well, it was a side aspect of I was looking for a way to boost a Wi-Fi adapter signal Uh, without having to spend 60 bucks buying one of those um, amplifying antennas. Yeah. Now there are so also, I saw, looked up do-it-yourself Wi-Fi adapter stuff and came up with jamming things, but also came up with brilliant ways of using walks and stuff to oh, yes, boost I've signals. Heard, yeah, I've heard you can do and that, getting actually. massive, yeah. massive distances from USB adapter, Wi-Fi adapters. Now, look, this is, <laughs> this is the thing that people don't often realise as well. It is, of course, illegal to go beyond a certain power level. I believe it's uh, 4 watts, and here in New Zealand anyway, 4 watts EIRP. On uh, on frequency hopping devices, which I think is what it does. Yeah. Uh, what these ones do, but uh, you know, if people are getting more than that in any one direction, technically it's illegal. Yeah. Now it's obviously got far, far, far lower consequences than something like a, a GPS jammer. Yeah. Or any jammer for that matter. Yeah. But uh, yeah, technically it is illegal to go beyond a certain power level, so people do have to to be careful that they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. But yes, I've heard you can get walks and stuff that, that work well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, you can boost the range of a, a USB adapter. I think I was reading one website, which was a Kiwi website, actually, on making Wi-Fi antennas out of walks and, and USB Wi-Fi adapters, where they got it with a, an 11-kilometer line of sight from a USB Wi-Fi adapter. Wow. Yeah, see, I, I, I'd question whether that's beyond... Oh, mind you, it might not be. Oh, they couldn't get any connection oh. or data transfer, oh, but okay. they could see Wi-Fi networks. They could detect them. Oh, I see. Sorry, this is to receive, not, not to transmit? Well, the point of it was to boost the two-way signal, right? Right. But when they were mucking around with it, they just decided to work out how far oh, okay. they could right. get, you know, pick up a signal right. using one of these. Wow. And, and it was like 11 kilometres line of sight. Wow. I think it was 11 kilometres. It was Mount Vic to Eastbourne. That would be about 11 kilometres, yeah. wouldn't it? Straight as the crow fires? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, or, or, close, <laughs> or close enough too. Who knows? So, 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 around, around about, it would be around about that, yeah. Anyway, we've got another hacking story, Brett, to talk about. We, we, we do these from time to time. And the reason I got this one up is because I don't recall a story... Uh, you know, about the same sort of device being hacked, but of course, technically, it's possible. This time, and you may have heard this, uh, you may have read the story uh, in the week just been, uh, this time, it's a baby monitor. Uh, this happened in Houston. A, a couple, Mark Gilbert and his wife, Lauren, they heard some strange noises coming from the from their bedroom of their two-year-old daughter. And it was actually coming from 
the baby monitor itself. What they heard was a creepy voice which had, according to them, some British or European accent. It was a voice of a hacker. It was someone, someone had obviously hacked into this device and was able to control the camera and speak through the, through the system. And was apparently swearing at their daughter. He was. He was making some very lewd comments, uh, using lots of swear words. This really alarms me, I guess, as a parent. But, you know, technologically speaking, it's no surprise, is it? No, because just like when we talked about the smart television, when you put a device with microphones and cameras and speakers that is connected to the internet, it's going to be hacked. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. it it's got to be hacked unless yep. you are really, really secure yep. or th- really, really security conscious. And this is one of these, uh, needless to say, you've probably uh, understood the inference here. This is a baby bundle, one of the ones that connects to your wireless Indeed. device at home. Uh, yep. So it's internet connected. Yeah. And hence, therein lies the risk. Exactly. It's got a camera, it's got microphones, it's got speakers on it, and it's designed to be connected to your Wi-Fi so you can sit in the lounge and flick to it on your iPad or flick to it on your internet-connected television and check out what your kid's doing in the room. Are they still breathing? Are they, have they rolled over? Are they doing anything silly? But yes, once you connect it to the internet, which is basically what happens when you put it on an unprotected Wi-Fi, or you put it on a um, internet connection that has already been botnetted or whatever, you're going to end up providing somebody else with eyes and ears, and in this case, a voice as well, into your household. It's got to be somewhat scary, doesn't it, to go, to go through that, though, nevertheless, right? I mean, okay, we said technologically... It's no different to any other device that's on the internet, as you said. You know, if yeah, it's connected, yeah. it's 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 essentially well, hackable. But if this was to happen to you, this would be really freaky. It, it would be super freaking scary, and it's really something that should be quite well noted on the products um, packaging for these sorts of devices. Is this is putting an eye and an ear, and in this case, a voice as well, into your house? That if it is not connected to your network in a secure manner or connected to a local area network that is not connected to the internet, you're putting yourself and your family at risk of being hacked, being spied upon. um, Being listened to. Being listened to. Being senior. Exactly. It is a horrible thing. And from my understanding of reading the the story, they've decided to... um, discontinue using the baby monitor. Yeah, that's uh, what they said, Never going to plug yeah. that thing in and again because it's, it's freaked them out so much. It has. It's, it's scared them um, too much. Mm. And I guess if, you, if, you, if you're not capable of setting up a, a secure internal network within your home, then it might be an idea that you might not want to use an internet-connected baby monitor well, and you, go for a standard wife, um, you know, radio frequency one, which has much shorter range close and less, circuit. Yeah, less yeah, able to be hacked. Yeah, I think though, Brett, you know, to be fair, this is probably, I think there's a, a lot of people that are potentially in this situation. Oh yeah, what 90%. Said, 90% yeah. of users will be like that. Yeah. What you said is absolutely right. Unfortunately, not everyone, in fact, probably the minority, as you said, would be uh, that well aware of all this. And so, as you said, noting this on the product itself, uh, that, that's certainly one thing that... I, yeah, I mean, I've yeah. never, I've this never device these, should so not be connected to an internet-enabled, <laughs> internet-enabled network. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I've never seen one of these. And I don't know what sort of warnings they carry. Well, but it, it, 
It should carry, and just as I think all routers should actually carry a much bigger warning, um, change the freaking passwords. You know, you know the number what, the, of people who plug it, buy a wireless router so they can have wireless at home, and then never bother to change the password from the default that it came with. Well, do you know what? I was I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. We recently switched uh, back from telecom to to which what is now Vodafone used to be Telstra Clear, um, and the the wireless router that we got came with a password that looks like it was it's generated. It's a different for each device. Mm, so they've re- they've preset them. They preset them, yeah, yeah, which is really really good because they really used to, good. The ones you buy in the shops, or at least used to anyway. Well, I guess the ones that the are, are, are handed out by telcos on their deals, they might. Well, they've got an invested interest to make sure that it is more secure, and so it will have. You know, they might actually randomise it. But if you just you know pop onto your local electronics store or computer store and buy yourself a Wi-Fi router, it's it's almost certainly going to have a def- default generic password. Well, I just wondered whether maybe they're changing the way they're doing them and maybe even the ones you buy in the store now. I mean, I haven't bought, a, bought one in a store for goodness knows how long. It's been about six or seven years, but or even longer than that. But um, I just wondered whether what, that's just what they're doing. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, we'll move along from there. A, a lesson that we've seen all too often. Be careful what you write online. Right, Brett? Indeed. What you put on the internet <laughs> is there forever, and unless your settings are right, it's there for all to read. Like this tweet from a mechanic at a Toronto auto shop. Any dealers in Vaughan want to make a 20-sack chop? Come to Keel slash Longstaff Mr. Lube. Need a spliff. So that's what he said, right? That's what the he, mechanic said on Twitter? Indeed. That is what the mechanic posted on Twitter. The York Regional Police then re- responded to the tweet with, Awesome, can we come too? <laughs> oh, yes. Needless oh, no. to say, Mr. Mechanic no longer works at the Toronto Auto Shop. That's right, yes. The police, <laughs> the police uh, had a little chat to Mr. Lube. Yeah, indeed. And uh, to the staff at Mr. Lube, and they uh, explained what had gone on, and, of course, the uh, the bosses there weren't too impressed, were they? No, they said, no. A, they gave him a chop. Indeed, they gave him a chop. Exactly. So yeah, be careful what you write online. Now he didn't. They didn't prosecute this, but on, on this, by the way, he hasn't actually done anything. He hasn't illegal. done anything illegal. He showed intentions. He's just to done do something illegal. But, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> that was just very stupid. But I think, let, let's put it this way: he's obviously learned his lesson. Do you think? I think he will know not to tweet things he doesn't want everybody in the world to know. But you know. We, we see this lesson from time to time, but this one, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. Don't you have to be really stupid to, to say something like that online? I mean, especially on Twitter. What is the purpose of Twitter? Twitter is telling the world, exactly, telling the world random so stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've all done stupid things. We've all said things we regret online. But to say something like this, it's like, I mean, some people wouldn't even dare say this out loud in, in a public space. Indeed, They're indeed. Like if you wouldn't want your grandmother to read it, don't post it on Twitter. Good advice there. <laughs> Absolutely, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right, let's move on and talk about the... The reviews that have uh, come out of the recent Jobs movie. Now, Brett, were you planning to see that movie? Uh, no. Because you were, no, you're a movie buff, but you're not going to see this one. I'm not a big fan of uh, made-up biopics. So, okay, what about... Because they're always wrong, and they always attempt to over-dramatise certain things. Uh, 
push off traits that somebody had onto somebody else or downplay or upplay certain aspects of someone. They're okay. never true. Uh, okay, so the social network, you, you saw or didn't see? Did not see it, never will see it. Pirates of Silicon Valley, saw or didn't see? Did not see it, probably never will. Okay, all right, interesting. I, I, I don't really care about a biopic. Now, if it was a documentary with facts, yeah, because that's, that's showing um, history. It's not showing a story inspired by history. Sure, and yeah, there is there is a big difference. Yes, these are biopics. Okay. They are not a true story. They are based on a true story. Okay, so so before <laughs> we talk about uh, what the critics are saying about Jobs, the movie, the Pirates of Silicon Valley, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Absolutely loved it. Now, was yeah, was I must admit is, is kind of my hero, if you like, in in many ways. Yeah. He and before I saw the movie. I read what Woz had to say about it, and he said, and I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing here and and summarising heavily, but essentially he said the detail is not right, so the detail is not accurate, the specifics are not accurate, but the feeling you get, the general gist of what's happening and the atmosphere that's created is right. Okay. So that's what he said about uh, Pirates of Silicon Valley. Now, this, what we're going to talk about now is the movie Jobs, um, I'm planning on going to see it because, well, you probably guessed that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, also, I also saw The Social Network as well. Um, but, yeah, so Jobs, I, I'm planning to go and see it, but it hasn't really received some very good reviews, has it? No, no, it has had some pretty scathing reviews, uh, mostly to do with um, the dramatisation or, in some cases, lack thereof. It's focus on the um, technological development and very workmanlike aspects and no focus on personal development or things that draw you to the characters is basically what I'm getting from these reviews. There's nothing in it which, when you watch it, will draw you to the different characters, make you engage with them. It is pretty much just going through the history of what they did and when they did it and how they did it and that sort of thing. And even then, according <laughs> going by Woz's statements, um, even then it's still wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a shame it hasn't because this this I think uh, could could have. Look, I haven't seen the movie, but from what I'm gathering, from what people are saying, it, they could have done a much better job. It could have been a much bigger. Oh, there was a pun, by the way. Could have done a better job. Very <laughs> good one for the uh, bloopers. Well, so, uh, no, they couldn't have because jobs is gone. You're not going to get a better jobs than that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Okay, puns aside, but um, yeah, it sounds like they could have done a much better job with this movie. Yeah. The so, best, the best reviews bits that I've read so far are, are actually the um, things coming in about Kutcher as Jobs. Aston Kutcher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he apparently he was saying that they were saying that he he uh, played his mannerisms very well. The way he Jobs walked, the way he he was as close to Jobs as you could be without actually being Jobs, but kind of still in that uncanny valley where. It was close, but it wasn't. Mm. Well, anyway, a movie that you're definitely not going to see by the sounds. No, no. Okay. Well, uh, I will look forward to your review, and you yeah, can tell me yeah, how I'll good it is. Right, but yeah. I'm just, I'm, as I said, I'm not a fan of, of biopics that, especially biopics of figures that are actually recent memory figures where you actually remember stuff, and then you watch the movie, and you go, but wait a minute, uh, uh, but, but wait a minute. If you can do that within your own lifetime in the, the boat, wait a minute, then 
Uh, I, yeah. A, a documentary would have been sweet, awesome. I'm not a huge fan of, of that sort of documentary anyway, but I, I've gone to ones and, and enjoyed them. Okay. No, fair enough. Absolutely. But, it's, it's, it's not your, your, your thing. But, yeah, a, a dramatisation where you watch it and you can, you know, yourself point out things where, wait a minute, that's wrong. And you're not an Apple fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not the sort of thing I want to watch. And from the reviews, that's but, kind of the sort of thing it sounds like I would get. But surely that's okay if you go in with the expectation that that's the case, no? Or still not? It just doesn't hold you? It doesn't hold me. Okay. I like history to be history. Okay, And cool. real. All right. Or as real as we can know. All right, I tell you what. Whereas I, with this, it, it's not as real as we can know or make up, like horror, historical drama. Historical drama, a lot of it's made up, and you know that you know it's going to be it's going to be fairly off because, because we, we, we can't, just don't know. Yeah, exactly. We don't. Whereas have, this, there, we know. Yeah, we yeah. know every single aspect yeah. of all of that sort of history yeah. because there are people still alive from multiple yeah, sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who were yeah. there, and yet, yeah. Though on the flip side of that, I really enjoyed Apollo 13, and that had lots of dramatizations. Oh, now I haven't seen that. <laughs> but that was okay. But it, it, you connected to the people. So I think from what you said Walzer's impressions of were for the Pirates of Silicon Valley, where the, the facts were wrong, but the, the feeling was there, or, you know, the, the, the drama sort of thing was really there, might hold true to the... Apollo 13 and it was a really good story where the facts were wrong okay yeah look I, I haven't, I haven't the, seen the, that movie the, the drama was I can't believe you haven't seen it, it was, no it was, but I'll tell you look, it's a huge but, movie yeah I know I know. oh but, wait a minute you don't go to regular I don't, movies I, I don't I don't go to what if it's not regular movies like a normal person <laughs> no I don't go off you go to weird movies like biopics and documentaries about <laughs> bands I know I know yeah, I don't watch movies much, and the ones I do are kind of left field. But look, anyway... So I, you I, probably wouldn't have enjoyed Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing, which was on at the film festival that I went to last week. Probably not, but you know what? I'm re- it I was really re- very, very good. Was it? Yes. But I tell you what, I do regret not seeing at the cinema, and that was Die Hard 5. Oh. oh, I love the Die Hard series, except for... It's a good day to it? Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, I think this one, five is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, One of them I didn't enjoy so much, but certainly the... I can't remember which one it was. I think it was either three or four. But uh, definitely one and two were great. Yes, one and two were brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, I'll let you know my thoughts on Jobs once I've uh, seen the movie. Now, onto an important milestone. The cassette tape, the audio cassette tape I'm referring to here, is 50 years old. Audio cassette tape or just ma- magnetic cassette tape? Are we talking the, the two-track no, or the 8-track the, or the 4-track or, or your standard cassette tape? This is the compact cassette, the one we know and love that, you know, yeah. that you used to buy cassette. Uh, that you, you know, put in your walkman. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the technology itself because, you know, as you said, the 8-track, 4-track things, uh, reel-to-reels, all that sort of stuff. No, no, we're talking about the compact cassette that, you know, that went commercial. It's, in fact, the biggest... Wasn't it the biggest... Um, format of all time or at least biggest analogue format of all time I believe probably yeah I mean we, look we've all owned cassette well unless you're fairly young we've all owned cassette tapes right we've yeah. all had bought music on cassette tapes we've all recorded our own haven't we uh, indeed uh, I'm sure your first radio station was actually you just recording yourself talking to a cassette tape well actually uh, the first radio station I had was I used to play tapes and you know what I've done? Here, here's a little, um, just because you reminded me of this. 
All the tapes, what I'd done was... Um, and we're talking commercial tapes here, by the way, as well yeah. as stuff I've recorded off the radio, off commercial radio. I'd play a song to, to the... Um, I'd go to the start of a song. And yeah. so I'd cue the tape manually, wind back a little bit, and put a little white marker of correction fluid on the tape itself uh, just before the oh. song starts. And that's how I know... That's how I could cue them later on. But you'd be ruining your read head. Mm, I don't know. I think, I mean, the, the correction fluid dries hard and it just... But on a flexible cellulose tape? It seemed to cope all right. Wow. It was just a very, very thin... It wasn't a big, you know, blob of it. should have checked what your, what your reed head was like after that, how many scratches you had on that thing. Well, I don't know. But <laughs> hey, I didn't care. But anyway, that, that's how <laughs> well, I used to... Well, you're a kid, yeah. Because how else do you cue... This is the one thing. You, you, it's, you cannot really cue tapes. You could buy later on, you know, cassette decks that could auto-cue, right? Yes. As, uh, you know, track to track. But unless you had one of those fancy ones, and I certainly didn't as, as a teenager. Well, you just I had record to how... You look at the little view window in the middle and you record how far no, it was. No, it's not nowhere near as accurate enough. Nowhere near. No, it isn't. You, you could... This, you know, and plus, they used to... They, they were never perfectly centred. So that thing would sort of move left and right somewhat, you know? They, they were very, very indicative. Um, I'd say at no more than about five-minute accuracy. It was terrible. So that's how I cued them. Anyway, the cassette tape we've, we've all, that we've all come to uh, know and love, 50 years old, and it was invented, by the way, by Philips. Didn't they also, was it them and Sony that did the CD? It was, wasn't it? Philips and Sony yes. did the CD. Yeah. So Philips really, and Sony, us, to be fair, have both have really been, been leading the way in, um, in mobile media formats. Yeah. So, and the other thing that people have noticed, by the way, with cassette tapes just in recent years is it's kind of making a comeback. A sort of nostalgic sort of, you know... Yeah. People wanting to, to sort of get that analog well, feel again. You know, LP's made a comeback quite some time ago. Vinyl, vinyl is still a niche market, and a lot of bands who are really into, their, into producing their sound and how the sound actually, you know, appears on their work produce vinyl... Uh, Renditions That's of right. their they, they, albums, they still do, and uh, and now it's the turn for the cassette tape to have that same sort of comeback. And, yeah. and now, so so Brett, better dust off that old cassette player and some of your old cassettes. And unless you have stored your cassettes in a nice, hermetically sealed or very nice dry environment, the problem with cellulose media, as anybody who has had cassette tapes, videotapes. Or, um, in fact, old floppy disks are stored in a not-quite-dry environment. Those, they go mouldy. Oh, they do. They do. They get ruined, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I'm pretty sure I have no actual working <laughs> cassette tapes anymore because <laughs> they would all be so badly stored in boxes in the garage that they are probably all quite rank right now. Well, here's, here's a stat for you that might surprise you. It certainly surprised me. The national audio company in Springfield, this is in the US, is manufacturing 100,000 blank cassettes a day. Wow. Because of the, the, the increase in uh, Need. recent, and recent you'd have times. And you'd have to be a third party who was manufacturing them because all the, the main manufacturers of these things stopped producing them. Actually, you still can get Maxwell tapes. You, stu- you still ah, can, you yeah, can still yeah. get Maxwell's. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting with all of these, these kind of older formats that have now found a, a... Well, they were superseded by something digital and the suddenly the media was sounding the death knell for this media type. 
Never, you'll never see another cassette tape again. You will never see another 35 mil film camera again because everything's going digital. And there's a freaking yeah, niche. Or, yeah, yeah, there is, you know, there is a niche. Yeah, it's you will never see a Polaroid picture camera again. And there's a niche market for all there these is, things. Absolutely. You can still buy yeah. niche market. Okay, it's significantly more expensive. Not that Polaroid film was ever actually cheap. Good point. <laughs> but, yeah. but you can still yeah. buy Polaroid yeah. film for Polaroid. You can still buy brand new 35 mil cameras. There, okay. there are niches uh, for not, all of these things. Not everything went that way, though, right? Ty- can you still buy typewriters? Uh, ooh. You could five years ago. Really? But they were all the... They were called... Word processors. Oh, like yes. they, they were the brother yes. word processors, yeah, yeah, the yeah, only yeah, yeah. sort of manual yeah. type yeah. typewriter, which was still an electronic typewriter, that you could buy new. Yeah, I see. I wonder that I know because I was actually asked to look for a oh, manual really? typewriter oh for somebody. Wow. So I looked it up and discovered that the only one I could get can, can you were buy two car- different uh, brand, two different uh, models of brother word processor typewriter. I wonder if you can still buy carbon paper. Lots of things still do carbon paper. Really? Yeah. Like the Visa MasterCard's manual, you know, click-clack Oh, things, yeah. They are still the emergency use. Click-clack. Yes, um, yes Visa you're right. credit card things. Yeah, you're right. I'd forgotten about them. Sure, everybody has, you know, mm. even taxis have credit the cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Stuff yeah. in them now, but that stuff can go down. And oh, I there see, are yeah, still the, parts the, of the country yeah. where you're not going to get signals. So yes. they revert to mm. the old click-clack. That's and that point. requires carbon paper. So someone is still making carbon paper. Yeah. There you go. Alright, Brett, look, that's pretty much the show, isn't it? That was episode 226 of The Boys of Tech live from the Southern Cross Bar here in Wellington. And once the, again, I finished my beer at the end of the show. You're brilliant. You're brilliant at pacing yourself, aren't you, Brett? Yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. Okay, well, on that note, hey, Brett, thank you very much for co-hosting. Always a pleasure, Ed. And we'll do it again next week. Till then, take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. We'll be back in the studio then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. example of that would be this tweet from a mechanic at a Toronto um, car place. <laughs> a ter- we'll record that bit again. That was great, though. From a, a tweet from a mechanic at a Toronto mechanics. What are you saying, Brian? Auto shop. There we go. There we go. That's what, what they call what it in the, the Northern Hemisphere. Okay.